our second of four sermons in Haggai. Haggai is an incredible book. Uh, 38 verses, the proper name of God, Yahweh, is mentioned 34 times in those 34 verses. Uh, a wonderful and amazing uh, God-centered book. I will pray for us, and we will go ahead and dig on in. Uh, King Jesus, thank you that we get to meet today. Thank you that uh, we live in a time and a place uh, where we can do so, that your grace and mercy abounds uh, in our lives. And I pray that we would look to this ancient book written in 520 B.C. And, and hear your word for us, not just what you have said through Haggai in 520 B.C., but what you are saying to us today as your people. Um, Jesus, we pray you would glorify yourself, that you would make much of your name today in our hearts, uh, and that we would live for you and you alone. We love you, Lord, and pray these things in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we're in Haggai, which is between the two Z minor prophets of Zephaniah and Zechariah. It's 38 verses, so uh, if you're in a paper Bible, don't miss it as you're skimming through it. Uh, so last week we looked at the omnicompetence of God in all things. God is competent to accomplish His tasks and purpose in all things. And today we turn uh, to the people's response to what Haggai has said. Uh, so we are here uh, in Haggai chapter 1, starting verse 12. I'm going to read it and then we'll kind of take it apart. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shittael, the, uh, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadach, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had uh, sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shittael, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadach, and the high, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Um, what's so important about this text, I think it points to this amazing and wonderful reality that, that because we're Christians, because we love Jesus, we're not alone. Uh, we're never alone, and God doesn't leave his people alone. We, we look here at this people. Uh, they're living five, so Haggai, if you remember, Haggai, Haggai uh, is a prophet prophesying in 15 weeks in uh, 520 B.C., uh, and in those 15 weeks, what's happened is the people of God have been freed from slavery. They've returned to the land for a purpose, and that was to rebuild the house of the Lord, and they got busy uh, redoing the blinds and the, the siding on their houses and forgot about God's house and let it be. And now Haggai has come and God has said, hey, y'all, you should be working on my house. Why have you not done this thing? And they actually listen and respond, and they're, they're getting to work here. Now, what's amazing here in terms of this, this reality that we are not alone uh, is this is the reality of the gospel. The reality of the gospel is that God himself enters into human history in the person of Jesus, dies for our sins, cleanses us from our sin, dies and bleeds on a cross to save us for his glory and for our joy. Uh, and, and here we are as the people of God indwelt by his spirit and we're never abandoned and we're never alone uh, because what, God, what God has done uh, through Jesus and the fact that the spirit dwells in us now. And, and here's what's important when we approach texts like this. What does Haggai have any, how does Haggai have anything to do with me? Um, here, here's the reality. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. These people are in a different time and a place and a different place and dealing with different stuff, but God has not changed. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through here and look at what God's doing here and see how God's still doing those things today. So here we are in 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shetael, uh, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadach, the high priest, 
with the remnant of the people. So those who are left in the land. God's always got a remnant. God's always got a people. God's always had a people, even when it comes down to Noah, Shem, Ham, and their wives, who for some reason don't get named, right? God always has a people, and he's never done with his purposes. He always has a people. And so here the remnant in the land, and they obeyed the voice of their God. They heard what they said about the siding and that they should stop putting on the uh, aluminum siding. They got the new Sears aluminum siding you used to be able to order. It would be on Nickelodeon where I'd be at home watching cartoons for some reason, assuming I guess somebody's dad or mom was watching it with you, right? They turned their attention from the, the fancy Sears aluminum siding to the work that the Lord had before them. First and foremost, God is listened to by them. God is listened to by them. They hear what God says and they actually do something about it. Uh, this is actually unique when you read the minor prophets. Out of the 12 minor prophets and it, out of the three major prophets, we call them ma major prophets, minor prophets. Why? Major prophets are huge. Isaiah is like 66 chapters. Haggai is technically two chapters, but it's like 38 verses. Haggai is small, minor prophet. Uh, and here in this minor prophet are the 12 because they all fit on one Hebrew scroll together, uh, except for Daniel, which technically isn't a prophet according to the Hebrew uh, ordering of things. Right? They fit because they're little. Uh, here's the thing that happens to a lot of the other prophets. God says, this is what it looks like to, to love me. This is like what it looks like to obey me. This is what it looks like to follow me. And they say, yeah, we're having more fun doing something else. We're having more fun putting something other than Jesus first, or God first in all things. But here in Haggai, they actually listen. They say, okay, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm listening. And so God is listened to by them. Why? Because they, they actually had the prophet say what he needed to say. Um, uh, they, and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. That's Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, proper name of God. They, avoid, uh, they obeyed the voice of Yahweh, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as Yahweh, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. They actually believed they needed to listen to God. They, they stood in his majesty and his awe and his wonder and his omnipotence and his omnicompetence and his omnipresence. They actually listened. They felt like he was a God that should be listened to. This is us. When we actually see God for who he is, we actually listen to him. He actually does something in our lives when we open God's word and we don't just think these are some pages or just some duty, but we're actually opening God's word to hear his voice and hear him speak to us. And so they listen and they, they fear the Lord. Then Haggai, and this is an amazing thing that happens here, verse 13, when they actually listen to him. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. I mean, as, as Christian people, there's no thing I think we want to hear more than that, right? This, this reality that God, God is with them. They're, they're actually doing what God told them to do, and, and God is actually with them in their doing of that thing. Here, here's the amazing thing about being a Christian. Jesus never asks you to do something and then just leaves you alone to do it. He never says, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I'm calling you to accomplish. This is what I'm calling you to repent of. This is where I'm calling you to faithfulness. And then says, now you figure it out on your own. Have fun with that. That's not the God we serve, and that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is we're forgiven for sin, but we're empowered by the Spirit. We get to now live this life with Jesus and all that we do. We, we have these amazing promises that if we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. And, and the Christian life is vastly more than just checking off some boxes, but actually living life empowered by the presence of God. And so God is with them. Not only God is listened to by them, but God is with them in their listening to him. 
Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Spoke to the people with the Lord's Oh, sorry. Skip down the line. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the sons of Shetel, the governor of the Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Je- uh, Jehuzadach, uh, the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of, of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord uh, of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Now, not only did they listen to God, and God is present with them, but God actually does something in them in those things. God speaks, they listen, right? Uh, God is with them in their listening to him, but God also empowers them in that listening. God, God empowers them in, in what they do. And now, to make sense of Haggai, we have to understand where we sit in history, what we are actually looking at, and what this actually means. So we are Christians living on this side of the cross. So the reality is, is that God made everything good, human beings broke it, but that God early on makes the promise to send His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to fix it, to come into history, to save sinners who've lived in insurrection and rebellion against Him, not by anything we've done, but everything that He has done. And that we live in this time and place now on the other side of the cross as forgiven people. We also live in the new covenant, not the old covenant. These are people living in the Old Covenant. They had the sacrificial system. They had the temple that they needed to rebuild. But we live here in this time, in this place, which means God's administration and the way that God relates to us because Jesus died on the cross for our sins is different than the way he related to him and, in fact, is better. And, and, but I want us to see that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That just as in Haggai, God is listened to by them, God is with them, and God empowers them. That in the New Testament, it's the new covenant people of God, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're people who are supposed to listen to him. And we're people that he is with. And we are people that are empowered by his presence. And I'll show you. Go with me to John's gospel in John chapter 17. Okay, God is to be listened to. Uh, verse 6 in 17 of uh, John's gospel. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. That saved lost people like us. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. They believed, they listened, they obeyed. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Now this is Jesus talking about the Father. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them, and have come to know Uh, in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now, John's gospel uses this believed language 21 times in the whole book. John is very clear with us. He lets us in on a secret. I have written this gospel so that you would believe. He is unabashed. We live in a time and a place where we try and pretend like that newspaper articles are supposed to be uh, unbiased and objective, which they really, really often are not. Uh, as anyone reading an article anywhere knows, where, however that bias might sit, right? People write articles with an agenda, and usually they try and say, but I don't have an agenda. I'm just stating the facts. What I love about John, he says, I have an agenda. Do you believe Jesus is God? That's my agenda. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. 
Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was given them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. God's accomplishing his purposes as he always does. Verse 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these I speak in the world, that they may have, uh, pardon me, that they may have my joy filled in them, fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. The word is to be believed. And the world has hated them because, you are, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And all this is rooted in believing Jesus and who he is and living in power by him and for him and for his glory. We are not in the world, just as I am not in the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in the truth. Now, verse 20, listen. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We listen to God. We believe God. Just as the people of God in Haggai listen to uh, God. God is to be listened to. They listened to God. That, that is the standard for our life. Are you listening to God? Are you, are you believing what his word says? Is this of, of primary importance? Is this what primarily is informing you about reality and about who you are and about the way the world works is the word of God? But just as we are told when they obeyed God, God was with them. Uh, God is with us. Uh, again, in John's gospel. Go with me to John 16. John 16 in the middle of verse 4. I did not say, again, these are Jesus' words. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, this is one of the wildest things in all of the Bible here. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Helper in the ESV, Helper, the Holy Spirit is who that is, by the way, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. That Jesus is going to send a helper to us. Right? This is, this is not about feelings. This is not about getting uh, having like... Uh, spiritual experiences per se. This is about the reality of who you are as a human person if you know Jesus. The Spirit is with you. You are indwelt by the Spirit. And God is with us whether we feel like it or not. Right? Just like you're forgiven whether you feel like it or not. If Jesus has died on the cross for your sins in your place, you can sit and you can say, I know that is the truth, but I just feel feel guilty, or I, I know he's forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. Well, it's not about how you feel. It's about what God has said, and what God said is you're forgiven. And what God, Jesus has promised us is that the helper would come. So just as they were uh, in the time of Haggai, God is to be listened to by them. God is with them. Um, God is, is, is so with us. Also in uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, God is condemning uh, sexual morality, fornication, and whatnot. And in 17, he gives the reason for this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one with him. I mean, that is God with us, right? If you understand that God is with you, the reality is that you are joined together with God. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Verse 18, so therefore, kind of 18 is the kind of the therefore, because the spirit dwells inside of us, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin is, uh, person commits uh, is on the outside of the body, but sexual immorality, immorality is a person uh, sin uh, Immorality, a person sins against his own body. It's something we bring with us. We're bringing the Holy Spirit with us into the sin because it's a physical thing. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, this is a favorite verse of weightlifting and people who are opposed to tattoos. Reality is, this is not a weightlifting verse. This is not a or eat organic verse. This is not a nutrition verse. This is not a tattoo verse. This is the reality when someone says that your body is a temple, that God the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, has taken up residence inside of you. That's a profound anthropology. You as a human person, you as a human being, who leaves here from this assembly, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is with you and inside of you. That's amazing. And, and how quick do we forget this reality? Right? They forgot it. They're the people of God. They're supposed to build the temple. The temple is where the glory of God dwelt with His people. And they were busy picking siding on their house. You and I, if you are a Christian, are people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is the life we get to live, and we just go about our day like everybody else, living in the rat race, playing king of the mountain with the world, day in, day out, doing the things of the world, and we don't even stop and consider the reality that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, that we are purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are not our own, but that we're bought as a price, and we belong to Him. And we've been given this huge gift in Jesus. But not only that, God empowers them. right? God stirred their spirits. He was empowering them to do this work. God empowers us to live our lives. If you go with me to Romans 12, starting verse 3, Paul says this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, right? If we're all trying to preach at the same time, it would be kind of a mess, right? Just like if we're all trying to make coffee at the same time, it would be kind of a mess. If we're all trying to do kids' ministry at the same time, it would be kind of a mess, uh, you know, when we help each other move, there needs to be some order and some chaos. Instead of chaos, we all have a job to do. You have a job to do. Uh, we live in a time and a place. I mean, we we just love the Twitterverse or the Facebook or whatever, and then we want the attention and the glamour. The reality of being the church is not centered around glamour, and it's certainly not centered around us. It actually involves everybody in a church playing their part really well and just doing what God's assigned you to do and what God's gifted you to do. So we may, though, uh, so though many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, uh, let us use them 
Now, they're gifts. Jesus is the head. We're the body. God has built you for a purpose. Your purpose is different than my purpose. This is sort of obvious when you say it out loud. But we spend so much time comparing what we're doing to other people and, and what this person's doing or that person's doing or what their stuff looks like or what my stuff looks like or what their job is and their job seems better than my job and my job kind of is lame and I'd rather have a different job than the job that I have or whatever that might be. And we just don't stop and say, Jesus, what do you have for me to do? What, what gifts have you given me in the service of your kingdom for your glory? What do you want me to do in this world uh, as the church, which I am a part of, not just a local church, this local church, but the church, the churches uh, in Seattle and the Northwest and the world, as we're living out this great commission of making disciples to all the nations, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them of prophecy in proportion to our faith, of service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All those things are describing playing our part well. You know, if, if you're doing acts of mercy, but you're complaining the whole time to the people you're doing the acts of mercy to, that doesn't feel very awesome, right? Like, uh, if, if my job in teaching this morning, if I came up and said, oh, man, <sighs> hey, guy, lame. What are, you, what are you guys up to? Fourth of July weekend, huh? You know, like... It, we come and do the things we do with zeal and with joy and with gladness and with an aim uh, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to see that we're doing this empowered by him. They're his gifts. We're, we're, we're people who are indwelt by his spirit. He's the head. We're the body. Everything about this reality, the, the, the rum being beat throughout the whole of the New Testament, is our desperate need for Jesus and his empowering spirit, our dependence on him in all things, and he's empowering us to do the things he's actually called us to do. He doesn't call you to something and leave you alone. God is with us. And again, they're in a different spot, in a different place. We're not called to build the temple, but we are called to trust this God who is with us. So just like them, God is to be listened to. Uh, God is with them and God empowers them. Are you listening to God? Is that part of your life? Is that part of your day? Do you, do you consider what God's word has for you? Do you consider what God's word has for you? Are, are you listening to him? Are, are you aware that God is with you? in your pursuit of him, in the pursuit of the things that he's calling to you? And, and, and do you actually trust that he is empowering you in these things? Um, just three ways to cultivate those three things. One, are you reading your Bible? Do you open God's word and listen to his voice? I mean, so often, again, we, we want the experiential. We, if he would just tell me what to do, I would do it. I hope so, right? If God spoke to you right now and said, do X, Y, or Z, and you were unshaken, and it was unmistaken that this is what God wants you to do, would you do it? I think most of us would say yes. Now, when you open God's word, his clear, inerrant, inspired 
authoritative word. Do you believe it like that? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You're making disciples? How are they to hear if someone's not to preach to them? Do the people at work know who Jesus is? Love one another. Are you concerned about you? Or are you concerned about the body that you're called to love? Uh, all these things. This is what he said. Or do we simply read and say, well, I know that's what good Christians do. Christians love one another. Christians are patient and peaceful and kind. I get it. But, you know, I, you know, Paul didn't have the traffic that I have to deal with on my way to work. He didn't have the employees that I... He's got Barnabas. Barney is awesome. He's, a, he's an encourager. I work with these guys. If Paul knew what it was like to be me, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, you don't know about my enemies, Jesus. Oh, wait, he does. Wait, sorry. We stop and we look back and we say, do we actually take his word for what it is and do we believe it? Do we believe the implications that it has on our lives? And when we're so desperate that God would speak to us, you come to that fork in the road in your life and you say, is it A or is it B? When you go to his word and just say, well, what does it say? Because sometimes, sometimes the voice doesn't speak and say, A, and you're going to live in apartment B, and you're going to live in this county, in this town, in this place, and you have this job. And hey, I believe that God speaks and God may speak to you in this way, but I also know that sometimes he just doesn't and we just sit there almost petrified. What am, what am I going to do? And, and, and we just stop and say, well, what does the word call me to? Make disciples of all nations. Love one another. Lay down your life. You know, we keep coming back to this, to honor him, to love him, and serve him. Do you, do you read your Bible and do you believe it? Are you committed that when you open your Bible in the morning, not only are you going to do it every day, because not, not because I said so and you feel guilty, and you're like, I should really do it every day and I'll get back on that reading plan. I know it's July, but you know Genesis is really long, and I know I'm, it's, I should have been through Genesis at the end of January. It doesn't matter. Open God's Word and read it. I can't tell you how many times I've started a reading plan and I just get behind. And you're just in Genesis till like July but it doesn't matter. Just keep going, keep opening, keep, keep reading it. It's way better that you actually read God's word than you fill out the checks on a reading plan. Right? God will speak to you. This is his word. And when, when you go to it, now that you're going to do that, not because I said that, but because you want to hear from the Lord, right? you're going to set the alarm tomorrow, not, not because Andrew said so, it's 4th of July, I know you want to sleep in but because you actually believe that God will speak to you if you meet him there and, and if you open his word, and it doesn't have to be in the morning. It could be at lunchtime. It could be at nighttime. I don't care. But when you do it, are you going to actually do what it says? Are you going to open this expecting to hear from God and, and being ready to listen and obey him in what he has for you? Now, again, this is so important that we know where we're at in the map, right? Uh, we don't just open up Genesis and read the story of Abraham and Isaac and say, oh, is this what I'm supposed to do? No, 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 no. We're... We're New Testament believers in Lord Jesus Christ. If you're supposed to do something, it's because it's imperative, not just because it's in the descriptive parts of the story. That is my caveat. Uh, are you aware that God is with you? We live in a time and a place where, honestly, so much of what we do to try and stir up this feeling is to stir up this feeling, right? That, that I have to go do the thing, and I have to... You know, I have to 
crank the praise music really loud. And you can crank your praise music loud, and you can do that. That is fine. Or you cannot listen to that kind of music at all. That's, that's not the point. But you just think about who he is. I, I, I would urge you. There's a way, or not a way better. I would urge you, again, whether you feel like it or not, take time in your day to consider this. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. Jesus died on the cross. The curtain is torn in two. This is a signal to us, to his people, that it's not the high priest who goes in once a year to meet with him at the temple, but that the access that we have to Jesus is, is, is radically less fettered. It's not completely unfettered in the sense, fettered Robin Hood language, right? Uh, we have access to God through Jesus. He is our faithful high priest. He was made like us in every way so that he can relate to us. His spirit is with us. Do you ever just stop and take some time to consider Jesus died on the cross to make me his own, which means God hears me when I talk to him. Right? There's a, there's a closet at the house where I live which is big enough for me to sit down in a folding chair in the closet with the door shut. Right? I'm not alone in the closet with the door shut. There's a lot of echo and a lot of people in the house that I live in right now. Sometimes you just need some quiet. And when I sit there and I talk to Jesus, the reality is even if I don't feel like he's hearing me, I don't feel it that way. He is, and he does. And I would just urge you to stop and take some time to consider. He's with you. He's, he's everywhere. And he's with us as his people in specific and particular ways. Do you believe he's empowering you? Do you trust that he's actually going to get you to do the things that you need to do, that he's called you to do? He's a good, good, good God and has not left us alone in that way. Um, before I preach, every Sunday I have a routine. And I would just encourage you in this because you don't have this isn't just for preaching. Uh, I read some things. I read a Spurgeon quote that's awesome and, and I do a couple other things. I remind myself the truth that what God's going to do is what God's going to do. Uh, but I stole this thing from a guy named John Piper, which I think is very, very helpful, that isn't isolated to preaching. Uh, and if you know Dr. Piper at all, or any of his stuff, he has crazy words for things to remember. He's got crazy mnemonic devices, and the mnemonic device I use is apptat, apptat. And I, always, I can't even remember what it is, I just remember that it's there, and I got it from his book on, it's a little wonderful book on preaching. And... and on the a, it's A-P-T-A-T if you're taking notes and care. Um, just A, admit that without God I can't do anything. This is, this is the reality. When you look at something, you say, but I can't do that. Well, yeah, welcome to reality. Apart from Jesus Christ, you can't. P, pray. Yeah, you can't, but he can. He's God. That's what he does. We pray. Jesus, I need some help. Uh, T, Trust. Do you actually trust God's a God who answers prayers? And if he's specifically, you know, Jesus has called me to do this thing. I, it's hard to be a dad. It's hard to be a mom. It's hard to be a friend. It's hard to be a husband. It's hard to be a wife. But if God's called you to those things, he's going to empower you to do those things. And so you just admit, I'm having trouble right now or I need help. And you pray and you trust and you act. You actually get up and do the things you got to do. You actually... Do the things you have to do. And, of course, when you're actually done, you think, because we're so quick to not do that. Did you see that amazing thing God did? He empowered me a lot. Moving on with the rest of my life. We do two things. We, A, forget to thank him for actually doing great things in our life. And, B, the next time we get to a giant hill that seems really scary, we forgot what he did last time. 
where, where Elijah and the temples uh, and with the priests of Baal, where, where he has this amazing sacrifice off with them. And he says, you get your sacrifice, I'll get my sacrifice. Whoever's God lights it up is the real God. And they dance around the thing and they do all kinds of crazy stuff and they can't get it to light. And he says, dump water on it. And he just says one word and God lights the thing on fire. Ten minutes later, ten minutes later, after Jezebel's angry because he won against her false prophets, and she says, get him, kill him, destroy him, and all of a sudden the next thing he says is, God, why have you left me alone? There's that moment, this little bit of the remix where God just stops and says, didn't you see the thing that I did with the thing with the fire, where I lit the thing on fire? Elijah? That's what we do. That's what I do. Maybe, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's, maybe it's not you, it's me. But that's what I do. I, I forget when you get to that next hill who God is. We need to remember. We need to thank him. If you're not a Christian, the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not here's some rules for you to follow so that God will love you, but that God came into history to die in our place, to reconcile us to himself, to save us, from ourselves and from our sin and from hell to him. And it's the reality of a God who's come to earth to be with us, but not only who came to earth and the person of Jesus to be with us, but has also sent us his spirit to empower us and be with us. Uh, if you are a Christian, how, how's the diagnostic? Are you, are you listening to God? Uh, are, are you aware that he's with you? Are you paying attention to this reality in your life? This is, this is what Jesus has done for us. And are you trusting him to empower you to do the things that he's called you to do? You know, I, I don't know all kinds of things about your life, but I know if you're Christian, I know there's some very clear things he's called you to. Love one another. Uh, make disciples of all the nations. He's called you to do some things. Do you trust him to actually do those things in your life? I'm, I'm going to pray for us and we'll take communion. King Jesus, this is your day. We are your people, and we just glorify your holy name. I pray that we just be so aware of your presence with us, of your empowering work in our life. pray you'd, you'd move in our lives and we'd know you, God. Jesus, I pray that the, the, the sweetness of the goodness of your gospel would be so acutely aware to us that, that we just know you're present with us, whether we feel it or not. I pray we trust you in all that you've called us to do. I pray you'd speak to us clearly from your word and we'd obey. Jesus, forgive us where we've been slack in those things. Forgive us where we've been slack in obedience, where we've sinned against you by not obeying. Help us, Jesus, to know you, love you, and serve you all the days of our life. Pray these things for your glory and for our joy. In your name, Jesus Christ, amen.